I'm going to read from 1 Timothy chapter 4 to you. The Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of, Jesus, of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially all those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down upon you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Tonight, we're going to be having our introduction to the spiritual disciplines. We're going to spend, like Josh said, the next six or seven weeks talking about spiritual disciplines. There are many more spiritual disciplines than what we're going to cover in the next six or seven weeks. But we picked out a few, and that's what we're going to be covering. I want everybody to take out their cell phone if they have one. Hopefully this will work. It worked when I tested it earlier, so we'll see. As you're taking out your cell phone, the question is what do you think when you hear the phrase spiritual disciplines? I want you to take your phone, get a text ready, and in the to field of the text, put 22333. This is my way of keeping from saying, hey, what do you think of when you hear the phrase spiritual disciplines? And I don't hear an answer. So this is anonymous. This is, it's going to come to, it should show up on my phone. In your text... Precede your response with 131491, for example. If your response to spirit, what do you think when you hear the phrase spiritual disciplines is they are hard, the body of your text will say 131491, they are hard. If you don't know how to do them, 131491, I don't know how to do them. So I'll give just a few seconds. I love helping others. I don't know how to do them. Monks. I really enjoy doing them and want to improve in them. Fasting is super tough. Hi, Doug. <laughs> Great in theory, hard in practice. I don't know what they are. Where am I? Speaking in tongues. Should be practiced every day. Pray, prayer, fasting, devoting time to God. The biblical version of a Rocky training montage like in Rocky IV, which <laughs> is in Russia where Mandy is going. Sacrificing abilities and time to focus on God and his purpose for our lives. What you are supposed to do but don't always do. Hard to apply. 
They're scrolling really fast, so I'm trying to keep up with them. <laughs> Studying God's Word is my favorite. Devotion. I love spending time in prayer. They are surprisingly refreshing and needed. Fasting. So I just kind of wanted to, um, like I said, that, that made a, I got a lot more responses. And if, if I didn't read your response, it was limited to 40, and we've got a few more than 40 in here. And I took up two of them with my tests. So it was limited to 38. But that's kind of just so we can kind of get a, um, get a barometer on the group and what we think about spiritual disciplines. This is a picture of me. This was my seventh grade football picture. Most of you probably know this. Uh, all of you may not. I grew up in Texas. Football's a religion in Texas. There's really no other way to put it. For instance, and hopefully this will work out right, Josh Millwood, who's your favorite football team? The Saints. Josh James, who's your favorite football team? Good one. <laughs> Somebody else, who's your favorite football team? Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns. There's some more Browns up here too. Ravens. Toronto Argonauts. Toronto Argonauts, all right. <laughs> Cowboys. Okay, if you ask me what my favorite football team is, I'd say, well, there's the White Wright Tigers, there's the Texas Longhorns, there's the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I've got a cousin that lives in Van Alstine, Texas, so there's the Van Alstine Panthers. Most recently in Texas, I was a youth pastor in Garland, so Garland Owls. Texas, <laughs> Texas is different when it comes to football. I've showed pictures here before, you may not have seen uh, a high school football stadium in Texas, $60 million. Texas is different when it comes to football. I remember as a kid, uh, I'd go to football games. Don't know how old I was, but this is really the first memory I have of going to football games and you know trying to catch the little plastic footballs that the cheerleaders throw into the stands and seeing the football team get in a huddle and they would huddle up and they would say, it's not really a word, they would say, Didco, and they'd say it really like, Didco, 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 and just get louder and louder and louder. And I never understood what that meant until I got a little bit older. On the side of their helmets, they had D-D-K-O. As a kid, never understood what that meant. Until about the, uh, the seventh grade, I started learning what that meant. Didco stood for defense, no, discipline, defense, kicking, and offense. So that's what the coach at the time uh, wanted to focus on were those four things. Discipline, defense, kicking, and offense. So anytime I hear the term discipline, the first thing I think of is spanking my boy. No, I'm kidding. The first thing I think of is, God, am I doing it right with my boys? Uh, the second thing uh, that I think of is that word, that, not word, what, didco, uh, discipline, as the first thing um, in that high school football team's slogan, I guess you would say. The reason I bring that up is because I want to compare a little bit discipline in football to the spiritual disciplines. Stick with me for a minute, and I think you'll see uh, that, that they compare pretty well. I took that first discipline to mean discipline as in when you're a lineman and you're, you've got your hand on the ground, and you're ready for the quarterback to hike, or the center to hike the ball, and they say it's on two. Discipline to me was down set hut, hut, then you move, not down set hut, and you move. You're disciplined to stay in that one spot. But I learned 
as I started playing football, that that's not what they meant by discipline. What they meant by discipline was at the end of summer when it's hot, when we had black helmets and we're out in 100, 105 degree heat in two a days showing up every day and giving our, our best that first day of practice. Discipline was getting out and getting your hand down on the ground and having a board right there and taking two steps and then bear crawling for 10 yards. Discipline was doing the small things in practice before games uh, that would prepare us for the games when they come. Discipline is knowing the plays so that you know as a running back, if you're running a sweep to the right, the quarterback's going to be tossing you the ball when you go to the right. He's not going to be tossing it to the left. Now, sometimes we have players that aren't quite disciplined enough and they do toss the ball to the left rather than the right. And that's when we get up and yell at the TV because they're not doing what they're supposed to do. So discipline, in this case, is being disciplined to prepare for the future. This discipline gives you freedom. I'm not going to get a whole lot into freedom. But when, Josh, I'll use this example just for you, when LaShawn McCoy takes a handoff, and he knows that he's going to the right side. And he gets over here, and he sees Kyle in his way. He's not just going to run into Kyle and get tackled. Since he's disciplined, since he knows what he's supposed to do, he's going to plant, he's going to cut, he's going to go the other way. If he didn't know what he was supposed to do, first of all, he'd probably never make it to Kyle. Um, but if he wasn't disciplined to know that, he wouldn't have the freedom to be able to cut back and to be able to go another direction. So being disciplined, knowing what you're going to do, knowing the playbook in football helps you to have the freedom to be able to be out on the field and not think about, okay, what do I do? Or not think about, okay, uh, they call this play as a receiver. Do I run down? Do I plant and go to the left? Or do I plant and go to the right? And as you're running that 10 yards and you plant and you turn to the left, and then the ball goes to the right. If you weren't disciplined enough to learn that, you're not going to make a very good football player. To compare that to spiritual disciplines, spiritual disciplines in the same way are proactive, not reactive. Reactive would be in the football game, you are trying to decide, okay, I get down here, do I go to the right, do I go to the left? You react to the circumstance, you react to what happens. Proactive is, I read my playbook, I know that on this play, I go down, I cut, I go to the left, and Tony Romo's going to throw an interception. I can say that because I'm a Cowboys fan. Okay, so the difference in reactive and proactive when it comes to spiritual disciplines. When something happens, let's say, let's say you find out your parents are getting divorced. Let's say you find out that your spouse wants a divorce. Let's say you have a sickness. Let's say you are tempted by any number of sins. The reactive way of handling that is we lean on willpower, we lean on determination, we pray against it, we fight against it, we set our will against it. These things lead to, often, not all the time, lead to shame or lead to pride. Let me step back for a second and say, I'm not saying that if you're tempted to do something, you shouldn't pray against it. Praying against doing something isn't bad, 
but there's a better way to do it. The way that these things lead to shame and lead to pride is so often, and this has happened in my life and I've seen it in other people's lives, we do all these things trying to stop, trying to stop look, looking at things we shouldn't look at. When I was 21 years old, I got a div- I, my wife and I got a divorce at the time. We, we tried all the willpower we had. We tried determination. We tried praying against it. We tried fighting against it. We tried setting our will against it. But in the end, it just didn't work, and it led to shame. The opposite can happen, too. You can set your will against it. You can fight against it. You can do all these things and be able to stay away from the, the pornography, be able to not do all these things that you think you shouldn't do, and it leads to pride. It leads to you having this, oh, look at me. I'm so, I'm so spiritual. I'm so, uh, I'm so good. I'm, so, I'm such a good follower of God that I don't do these things. Proactive things that we can do are the spiritual disciplines. I'm just, we're just going to name a few here. Uh, I believe I have on here the ones that we're most likely going to be talking about over the next six weeks or so. Proactive is prayer. Now, praying against it and prayer are different things because this prayer starts long before the divorce is about to happen. It happens uh, long before the temptation uh, to sin happens. Fasting. Uh, Fasting, again, happens long before the temptation happens. Simplicity, worship, and celebration. These five, along with many, many other uh, spiritual disciplines, lead to growth and lead to transformation. One of the things that I saw a time or two on my phone that came through were, I don't know what the spiritual disciplines are. Don't worry, until we started talking about doing spiritual disciplines, I couldn't have told you I could have named a, a list of a handful of spiritual disciplines, but depending on what you read, depending on where you look, uh, you'll see long, long lists of spiritual disciplines. Uh, so don't think that the six uh, that we're talking about are the only six that they are. That there are. God has given us the disciplines of spiritual life as a means of receiving His grace. The disciplines allow us to place ourselves before God so that he can transform us. I grew up in a farming community. The house that I grew up in until I was about six or seven, we rented it from people that owned a farm of I don't know how many acres right there by the house. And so every year I'd see them plowing the fields. Every year I'd see them planting in those fields. What I didn't see them is go out there and get into that little seed and pull the stalk of corn up out of the seed and actually physically cause the seed to grow. All that the farmer was able to do was to prepare the field for the growth. That's how I look at spiritual disciplines, and that's, uh, that's what this quote from the Celebration of Discipline says. Disciplines allow us to place ourselves before God so that he can transform us. Just like a farmer plowing planting the field, places it, prepares it for the growth. Spiritual disciplines prepare us for the growth. Stephen Covey, who wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, his first habit was be proactive. Be proactive is about taking responsibility for your life. I would say being proactive is about taking responsibility for your spiritual life and being able to 
prepare ahead of time instead of just reacting to what happens. Jesus and the spiritual disciplines. We see in the Bible that Jesus fasted. When Jesus was, uh, was tempted in the wilderness, he fasted for 40 days in preparation for that temptation. He didn't wait until he was tempted and then say, oh, what should I do? Celebration. We just had Christmas where we celebrated Jesus' birth. What did the angels say when Jesus was born? Rejoice. I bring you good tidings of great joy. Jesus came in celebrating. Where was Jesus' first miracle? At a wedding, at a celebration. Prayer. You see all throughout the Bible, the Lord's Prayer. In the Garden of Gethsemane, before he was arrested, he was there praying. Uh, we see all throughout the Bible that Jesus prayed. Solitude. Again, in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, he, he went off by himself to pray. Many times after he would speak to a large crowd, he would have uh, time alone, time in solitude, time to, time to recharge, time to spend with the Father so that he could prepare for what was coming next. And service. I, I think that it was a perfect example of these guys up here tonight uh, talking to us about ways that we can serve. We're still, I think we're tr still trying to find our place, our identity for lack of another word, as, as far as serving. And um, we see in the Bible that Jesus served. He said, I came to serve, not to be served. Washing his disciples' feet, that was service. We see all throughout his ministry that he served. And simplicity. I put simplicity on here, and I put simplicity last because I want to take a second and talk about the simplicity of the gospel. We say here at the Restoration Project that uh, through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God is restoring humanity to himself, individuals to each other, and creation to its original design. And then I usually tag onto the end of that. Simply put, we believe that the gospel changes everything, or we believe that Jesus changes everything. Simplicity, the gospel. Jesus came and lived a perfect life died for us but he didn't just die he rose again he took all of our sins on himself and the simplicity of it is if we put our faith and trust in Jesus we'll we'll have a right relationship with God we'll have eternal life with God it's it's simple in conclusion a couple of things a couple of benefits of the spiritual, spiritual disciplines. First of all, spiritual disciplines benefit you. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is why we labor and strive. Physical training, keeping our, keeping our bodies in good shape, it's got some value, but no matter how good of shape you're in now, 18, 20, 22-year-olds, once you turn, I'm not going to look at anybody in particular, but I will say once you turn 30, 32, 34, you're not going to be in quite as good a shape. We don't have any future pro athletes in here, I don't think. Even, even pro athletes, once, they're, once they get to their mid-30s, they're going downhill. Physical training, <laughs> it's all downhill from here. <laughs> 
I would say that's not what I'm saying, but that might be what I'm saying. <laughs> Physical training is of some value. Staying in good shape is of some value. When I get up and run in the mornings for two weeks straight, I feel a lot better than I do right now. It hasn't happened in a long time, Josh. Um, and it's probably only happened once in my life. But you feel a lot better when you're in good uh, physical shape. But godliness has value for all things. Holy promise for both the present life and the life to come. Godliness benefits us now in this life and it benefits us for eternal life. Spiritual disciplines benefit other followers of Christ. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. I'm going to go to that. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. We have a lot of younger people in here. And I would echo this quote to you, but I would also say, Josh James, don't let anyone look down on you because you're getting older. <laughs> I would say to myself, don't let anyone look down on you because you're divorced. I would say to all of us, don't let anyone look down on you because of whatever that one thing is that you think, man, I can't do that because, because I'm divorced. For years, I've, I felt like God was calling me uh, into the ministry, and I said, I can't do that because I'm divorced. Don't let anyone look down on you because of that thing that they look down on you for. Set, a, set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. I was going to talk a little bit on those things, speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, for the sake of time. And I think they pretty much speak for themselves. Um, I'm not going to talk much about those. But set an example. Be an encouragement, like they were saying earlier. It's... I'll talk about my job at Sears rather than as a minister. It's really nice when my boss or the store manager says, hey, Doug, I saw what you did with that customer. You did a really great job. It's, it's really nice to hear encouraging words. It makes you feel good to hear encouraging words. When the store manager is honest about something, it doesn't encourage me. It doesn't make me want to do something. But when he says, hey, Doug, you did a great job, it makes me want to do an even better job the next time. So I want to encourage you to set an example for other believers. I want to encourage you to encourage other believers because it helps to spur them on. Going back to the example of the football game, you don't see the guys on the field going like this, trying to get the crowd loud because they don't like it. They like hearing that encouragement. Spiritual disciplines benefit those who don't follow Christ yet. We have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. Those that don't know Christ yet, how are they going to find out about him if they don't hear it and see it in us? How are the people in Russia going to hear about Christ if people like Mandy don't go and talk to him? We benefit others that don't know Christ yet by being his light in the world, by having these spiritual disciplines. Stephen Covey, again, in The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, said, just remember that every moment, 
Every situation provides a new choice. And in doing so, it gives you a perfect opportunity to do things differently, to produce more positive results. For years and years and years, I beat myself up for things that had happened in the past. But through God, we have second chances. Through God, we can do things differently. We have opportunities to do things differently to produce more positive results. The positive result being being more Christ-like, having a better relationship with God. I put that quote on there because when you think of the spiritual disciplines, there are so many different ones. You may not know where to start. Um, and I'm, I didn't talk a lot or really much detail about any of them tonight because that's what we're going to do over the next six weeks. But as we talk about them over the next six weeks, next week when we talk about prayer, you might think, oh, I don't know where to start. Or, man, I've gone 34 years without praying. I can't just all of a sudden start praying now. Every moment, every situation provides a new choice. You can choose to start praying. You can choose to start fasting. You can choose to start exercising these spiritual disciplines, which lead to a closer relationship with Christ.